We love you, and in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, sorry. I um, got a little distracted back there. No, this isn't working. <clears throat> Am I on? Am I ready? I wasn't quite ready. I was distracted. If you have your outline, you see what I did there. We're talking about letting go of distractions. I'm not going to mention any names. And if you feel like I'm looking at you, I'm not. Maybe. No, I'm not. Every week, every week up here, you know me, I'm easily distracted, okay? Every week, there are unlimited potential for distractions as I stand up here. It just, it blows my mind. I, I, I had this dream last night that as I was saying these words, somebody's cell phone went off. Because that happens on a fairly regular basis, so you might want to check and make sure it's on silent. You can turn it off, but it can be on silent. Some of you use it for your Bible. That's okay. Um, but cell phones go off. Uh, somebody gets a burning desire to have candy. And they pick the candy with the noisiest wrapper <laughs> as they're unwrapping the candy. Um, those are distractions for me. But I'll tell you, what distracts me more is when I see some... Some people say, sometimes you get kind of loud, Tim. You know why I do that? Because I see people who are asleep. (laughs) Somebody's actually texting me right now. Um, Perfect, right? So when I see somebody that's like really bored, then it's like, all these things are going on in my head. It's like, what's happened? I couldn't just say, oh, they were up late last night. I have to think, oh, what? this is horrible. I should just go sit down. Or I see somebody sleeping and it's just a bad thing. I got to say, it is a fight to focus. How many of you have trouble with that sometimes? It's a fight to focus sometimes, right? Um, by the way, I got distracted a little. Um, we, we have Christmas services coming up. We do Christmas at Journey North Church instead of just a Christmas Eve service. And we do that because we have so many people come. I think last year there was like, I don't know, over 600 last year. And so we obviously don't fit in one service. So we do Christmas at Journey North. We have three services. They're all the same. And this year um, we made convenient cards for you to be able to take with you so that if you have that person that you need to invite to Christmas service. Now, I'm going to say right up front, if they already have a home church, don't invite them to our Christmas service. We're not here to swap fish in the fishbowl. We're here to be fishers of men. So if you know somebody who needs that, we've made convenient cards for you. Here's one of them. You can carry it with you as you go to Walmart and you see somebody. Um, You can hand it to them. Here's what it is. Christmas at Journey North, it says Sunday, December 22nd, 9 and 10.30. Those are normal times on the 22nd. And then CR is Monday night. Tuesday night, it's, this rarely happens, if ever. We're actually doing a service on Christmas Eve. That's Tuesday, December 24th, and it's at 8 p.m. Those three services will be as close to we can make it as all the same. And, and those aren't your cards that you have to hand out. Don't worry. You have, you have cards this size to hand out. But they look very much like that, and they have very little information on it. It says Christmas at Journey in our church, and it has the times. It doesn't say where it is. It doesn't say what it's about. It doesn't say anything. And here's why. These cards are not designed for you to put five of them over here. 
They're designed for you to take one, and as you're talking to that person you want to invite, hand it to them. Which one of these services would be best for you? Because I could go with you at that service, and that's what these are designed for. So on your way out, we have a bunch of these made at the welcome desk, and you can get those um, as you're going on the way out. There's also, I I got distracted so I didn't announce any of this, Um, in your worship folder is an outline. You can follow along. There's some verses on there. You can track with what we're doing. We're in a series. We're in part two. Last week, um, although we had fun, we had good crowd here. It was crazy snowstorm, so it was like a lot lower than normal. We saw all the. Um, it was it was it was heartwarming to me to see um, on the the website where um, where we host our sermon stuff and it's all free. Journeyorchurch.com. Um, at, starting on Sunday, it, you know, it goes like this, and starting on Sunday, it went like this. So I was glad because that meant people who didn't show up were actually listening to it. So that's good. But we're in a series. And it's about let it go. It has nothing to do with Disney movies. I know that some people thought that, and I'm not going to break into song up here or anything. It's not, it's not, although that happens at our house a lot, um, just saying. Um, this series is, what we're leaning into is the fact that this world as it is, is not our home. And sometimes we just get too comfortable here. And we forget that this isn't our home. This is only temporary And you will discover, it doesn't matter what age you are, you will discover as time goes, as time passes for you, it will pass more quickly. And just when you think, oh my goodness, it's going so fast, you'll get a little older and it'll it'll be like, ah, and you'll forget how fast it goes. I told you, somebody described that to me one time as, it's like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it spins. That's how life works sometimes. And so um, this isn't our home. And so we have to learn how to let go of distractions. That's what we're going to talk about today. Last week, we talked about um, letting go of stuff, of physical clutter. This week is really about mental clutter, about things that distract us. Um, the word distraction, just in case you need to know, is, is like old. It's derived from a Latin word like in the, in the late 1500s. And here's what it literally means. It means a pulling apart I mean, a pulling apart, a separating, drawing the mind in different directions. That's what distraction is. That it's supposed to be going a direction and something is pulling it in a different direction. There's a pulling apart. Here's what you need to understand. Every force of hell is trying to distract you. And you say, well, I don't recognize that. That's because they're really good. They are trying to distract you, to divide your heart so that you're not focusing on the things that are most important. They're trying to discourage your soul, sometimes to make us just quit trying hard. They're they're pressing hard to distract you, to try to disengage your faith so that other things take priority. And you don't do the things that will count for all eternity. Here's what I know, and I think this on your notes. If you're taking notes, this is the first thing you can fill in. The devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. That's actually more powerful. He doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. Because here's what happens. If you get distracted... If you allow the things of this world to distract you too much and pull you away from the things that matter, you know what will happen? Eventually, you will destroy yourself. Seen it over and over and over again. 
Nobody gets up one day and says, you know, life's been going pretty good for me. I've been, you know, growing in my relationship with God and things are going good. I think tomorrow I'll destroy myself. Nobody says that. What they do is they allow distractions to happen. They allow things to pull their heart away, to pull their mind away from where it should be. So today, we want to talk about letting go of distractions that destroy. That's what we're going to talk about today. I want to set the tone for this message today with what is, um, to me, it's, it's, although it's a very powerful story, it's kind of a complex story as well, um, as you'll see. But it shows the love of Jesus and, and his encouragement to stay focused on what matters most. And there, there's a little bit of tug and pull in the story, but it's a very good story. It's actually, it's about a dinner party. The story's about a dinner party, and Jesus is, with his disciples, is going to a place, uh, a house where he's been many times, um, friends of his, and he's going to go to this dinner party at this house, and, and it's in Luke's gospel, and we pick it up in uh, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village. It doesn't mention a village, but we know it's Bethany, because that's where Mary and Martha live. And he said, this is a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So Martha is inviting Jesus into her home, and verse 39 tells us it was Mary and Martha. It was Martha's home, but Mary, her sister, was there. She had a sister called Mary, and it says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So it's, give, it's telling us, here's what's happening. Big dinner party, because the disciples are there, they've got to feed everybody. Her, her sister Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Is that a good thing? Yeah, that's a good thing to be hearing from Jesus. Verse 40 says, but, whenever it starts with a but, you know something's coming. But Martha was what? Distracted. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, I am not blaming anyone here. I'm not blaming Martha, okay? Because if you're like me, if Jesus is in my house, okay, my anxiety level is going to be a little high, okay? Um, I want everything to be just right. If Jesus is coming to my house, I want it to be good. You know, you got to have the table set perfect. Everything's got to be where it should be and everything should be good. You know, the hot dish is almost done. I got to balance all these things. You know, you got to double check the cheesecake because you don't want the cheesecake to dry out. If he comes to my house, he's getting cheesecake. That's (laughs) how it works. So, as we go through the story, what happens is, I, I, what I picture is, I picture Martha um, coming out to just check before everything gets done, uh, coming out to check, make sure everybody's okay and doesn't need a refill. And so when she comes out, what does she find? She finds Mary, who had like one job. Where's Mary? Mary is not doing anything that Martha had her, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. So Martha comes out, discovers this, and she goes to Jesus then, and she comes up, she comes to Jesus and she asks, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Obviously, when Martha told Mary to do something, Mary didn't listen real well. So she's going to have Jesus tell her, Mary's not helping me. Tell her to help me. Now, I love Jesus' response. Jesus gives what I, what I consider an extremely loving response to Martha about her being you know, all distracted and worked up. Very loving response. Here's what he said in verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. Now you have to read that correctly because I know the first time I read that, it was like my mom saying, Timothy, that was not a good thing ever to be called that. Okay? 
um, regardless of what your name was. We very seldom had our, called by the right names. But when Jesus says, Martha, Martha, here's, here's a, probably a more accurate way for us to understand what he's saying. Dear Martha, He's saying it with love and compassion. That's what that means when he does that. He's, he's coming to her. He's not criticizing her. He's not saying, you're all worked up. You know, you're not supposed to be anxious. It says in Philippians, don't be anxious for anything. Oh, wait, that hasn't been written yet. He doesn't say that to her. He says, Martha, Martha, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. And that's true. She was. Verse 42, he says, but few things are needed, and, and indeed only one. Now, some people have interpreted that saying, you're making like a seven-course meal. You don't need that. We can just have sandwiches. That could have been what he was saying. I believe it's way more than that. It could be that, but I think it's way more than that. He's saying, yeah, there's a lot of things that are necessary to get done. There's a lot of things that are needed. He said, but really, not as many as you think. And really, there's one thing that's more important than all these other things. And he says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, we need to understand, Martha wasn't doing something bad. She was doing something good, right? Thank God for people like Martha. Because if we didn't have people like Martha, we would never eat on time. Bills wouldn't get paid. You know, Christmas presents wouldn't get wrapped. We need people like that. Mary, I kind of, I love the fact that she's at Jesus' feet. There's great things about both of them said in scripture, but I kind of picture Mary as the one who comes to dinner and never brings anything. But yet when there's extra, she's taking it home. That's how I picture it, you know? And so you take the family picture and you sneak the hashtag in there, hashtag do something, Mary, you know? See, Martha wasn't doing something bad or wrong. She was actually doing something good. Here's the thing. It just wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. Because so often, for many of us, we're not choosing between, should I study the Bible or rob a bank? We're probably not choosing between those two things. So often the most difficult choices aren't between good and bad. They're between good and best. See, if your enemy, if your enemy can't make you bad, he will distract you away from using your life for the things to honor God and make an eternal difference. That's what he'll do. And he probably won't use bad things. He'll use things that are okay. He'll use things that are good things. But he'll distract you away from the best. So how do we, with God's help, choose what's best? Better than good. Good is okay, but we want better than good. Three things you can do in choosing what is better. Real quick and easy today. Three things that we can do to choose what's better. Here's the first one. Decrease the distractions. We have to learn to decrease the distractions. It's a choice. Jesus tells us that when you read that story about Mary and Martha. He said, Mary has chosen what's best. 
So we can make a choice to decrease distractions. Um, the Apostle Paul is writing about relationships in 1 Corinthians 7, the whole passage about relationships and a lot about marriage relationships and stuff. But there's also a bigger context. And I want you to think of this verse today in a little bigger context than just the marriage relationship. In 1 Corinthians 7.35, Jesus, uh, he says this, I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you doesn't want to place restrictions on us. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. Because that's what matters. That's what lasts forever. He says, I want to help you do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Because when the distractions come, we don't serve the Lord best. Again, the distractions aren't necessarily bad things. They're distractions from what's best. What would you say the most common distraction today is? Right there. Not mine. Yours is probably your most common distraction. It's the mobile device. You know, for some people, for some people, literally, it's father, son, and and holy phone. That's like, (laughs) nothing is more important than that for some people. You realize it's less than two decades old. The iPhone's only like 12 years old. Mine's not quite that old, but my last one was. Um, For thousands of years, we haven't had that. We have not had cell phones. For thousands of years, there was no cell phones, and people weren't all panicked, you know? They weren't all, oh, oh." now people go crazy. You, you, You put it down, and it's like, and you're looking, because something's gonna happen, you know? Do you know that the average person picks up their cell phone every 12 minutes, which is a preacher, I'm thinking that's like three, four times during my message. (laughs) 12 times they pick it up. And often what that means is you're not as productive because you don't have any stretch that you're working anything. You're stopping with all these breaks. We're not as productive as we'd like to be. There are so many people struggling with that. There are so many people struggling with relationships when they go out on a date and they're sitting at the table and they're both on their phones and they're wondering why they're struggling with a relationship because they're not talking to each other. People who are not as close to God as they could be because the first thing they do when they get up in the morning is they check their phone. They check their social media. I check my phone the first thing I get up in the morning, but I do do that because I open my Bible app. And I, I I have this thing with God that I'm not looking at any of this other stuff until I spend that time with you. Do you know the average person? Average. I don't know if you're average or if you're like way above average. Some of you are thinking, I'm above average. You might not want to be right now. The average person spends over two hours a day on social media. And you think, two hours? I got that beat. Some of you are thinking, it's not two hours Click, scroll, click, scroll. All of a sudden, the time is gone. That's not counting the time on your cell phone, that two hours. That's not counting the time on your cell phone that you have your Bible on your cell phone and you're reading your Bible there. It's not counting maybe looking at news or checking emails for businesses, you know, or, or whatever. That's, that's just social media. Do you realize that if you're a younger person and you spend that much time on your phone in your lifetime, you will have spent over four years on your phone. Four years on your phone, scrolling and clicking, and all the while feeling left out, feeling unimportant, 
refreshing it. Oh, somebody's going to like it. So-and-so needs to see this. Hoping, you know, wondering why they're not liking your thing and struggling with that. Apple came out with a thing, I think it was last year, I don't remember when. If you have an iPhone, they have a thing called screen time. And you can set screen time up. And what screen time does, it's like if you have kids, it can keep them from using things at certain times and monitor how much they do. It's really good for adults too. You don't have to set any limits. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is, on a regular basis, just look at it and realize the majority of times I pick up my phone, here's what I look at first. Here's how much time I've spent doing this. And you think, I don't spend two hours a day. Use screen time for a couple weeks and look at it and see how much time you're spending with that. Because I, I did that. I have that on mine. And I look at it, and it makes me consciously pick it up. And it's like, I could check this, but I'm not. I'm going to open my Bible app and read because it's keeping track. I am not going to burn up the few God-given days that I have on something that doesn't matter. Is it bad? No. It can just be a distraction. And we have to learn how to control that. There's a lot of ways that you can decrease distractions. I got to say, it, it, it almost was comical this week as I was trying to prepare for this, how many distractions there were. I'd, I'd just get going on something and something would come up and I'd deal with it and I'd sit back down. It's like, where was I? And then I would chuckle a little bit. It's like, yeah, that's a distraction. So sometimes what I have to do is I have to close my door. Sometimes I close all the doors. And, and, go, and, and what I'd love is I'd like those, those wireless Beats noise-canceling headphones, you know, that cancel out all the other stuff, or maybe the new noise-canceling EarPod Pros that they, you can't hear what's going out. And I thought of that this week, and it's like, oh, but I just preached last week on not buying more stuff. <laughs> so maybe I just need to keep shutting my door is what I'll do. I don't know what you'll need to do to lessen your distractions, to be able to decrease the distractions in your life. Maybe sometimes it's just turning off notifications. I know of people who when they go out to eat, they take all their phones and they put them on a pile in the, ta- in the middle of the table face down. Nobody can look at their phone. They spend time with each other. Maybe, maybe for some of you it's, uh, it's, it's time to unplug the video game at certain times and not be so focused on something. Maybe there's certain things on your phone that you know are distracting and they're taking you away from the best and it's time to delete those apps. Maybe you need to do something where you just leave your phone. Just don't bring it. I don't know what it's going to be for you. But we have to learn how to decrease those distractions and resist the temptations. And you say, why, why do I need to resist the temptations? Here's why. Because of the future you. You have the power today to eliminate so much of the bad for your future you by just doing the right thing today. So we have to learn how to decrease distractions and I I don't even know what all of your distractions might be. But you know what they are because they keep you from the best. And so we figure out how to decrease those distractions. The second thing in order to choose what's better is focus on the important And this takes conscious effort. This will never just happen. It's called the tyranny of the urgent. Whatever whatever fire needs put out at the moment is what you'll focus on. And what we need to learn to do is to be able to focus on what's important. 
they tell us, experts tell us all the time, if you want to be successful, it's not about doing more. Unless, of course, you're doing nothing. And then doing more would help. But for most people, if you're doing something, it's not about doing more. It's about doing more of what matters. Because you can do a whole lot of things and you can be really busy and not get anywhere. So what we do is we focus on what's important and we say no, and this is hard, we say no to the good so that we can say yes to what's best. That's hard to do. I'm, I'm still learning how to do this. It's, as somebody who struggles with people pleasing, saying no is not easy. Especially when it's a good thing. But if we say yes to everything, we're really saying no to everything because we're not given our best. You know, it will actually help you grow to learn how to say no to things that aren't the best in order to have what's best. In Proverbs 4, verse 25 and 26, it says this. There is so much in this passage it's, it's of what we're talking about right now. It starts like this. Set your gaze on the path before you. That means, it's like fix your eyes in the New Testament. Set your gaze, focus on that, focus on what's important, set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose. We have to have that purpose set. We know where we're going, we know what we're doing, we know why we're doing it. It says, looking straight ahead, don't let all these things on the side distract you. It says, ignoring life's distractions, watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you. It tells us in so many different ways with a fixed purpose and vision. For me, one of the things that comes to mind when I think of that is I can't do this for a while now. And that's mowing the lawn. (laughs) Can't even see my lawn and probably won't for a long time. I miss mowing my lawn. I love mowing the lawn. If it gets too high because I haven't got to it, I have to do this mowing around like this so it blows it out because otherwise I have piles of grass this high. But when I keep with it, I like to mow. I know you're thinking I'm crazy right now, but there's a reason I'm telling you this. Um, I like to mow my lawn diagonally. And then the next time I mow it, I mow it the other way. For whatever reason, when I pull in my driveway and it's been mowed that way, it gives me great pleasure. It's just, I love it. And it's not like it's really amazing grass. I'm mowing green but it's mostly weeds, but it still looks good when I'm able to do that. Here's what doesn't look good. When I pull in and I see the, the first line is the most important because that's what you follow off of. And when I pull in and I see that I've mowed and it goes like this, it's like, oh, I'm going to go out and mow again. You just mowed, I know, but it's crooked. <laughs> here's, here's how I keep it from being crooked. I get where I know I should start from. I get my mower, I get it lined up. I know where I'm going in the back and I pick a tree. And I look at that, and I focus on that, and I got to look a little, make sure I'm not like running over somebody that got in front of me, but I'm focused on that tree. That's the only way I'm going to mow a straight line, because the tree's not going to move while I'm mowing, and I stay focused on that tree. If I look down at where my wheels are going, it's going to be all over the place. So I fix my gaze, I have a fixed purpose and vision, and I look at that, and when I get done, I turn around, I go to mow the next line, and the first line's straight. And then everything else makes it a little bit easier, because there's a fixed purpose and vision. I'm looking straight ahead. I'm ignoring the distractions, watching where I'm going. Another thing, I don't know if you've ever done this, but um, 
I'll go somewhere in the yard to get, like this morning, I had to go out, um, I clipped some branches off one of our pine trees, because Julie's going to decorate a little bit more with some pine stuff, and I had to get out there, so I didn't want to, the snow's pretty deep in my yard, and I didn't want to get all icky or anything, so I'm walking out there this morning, and I see where I got to go, but I can't look at that tree and, and go straight to that tree, because sometimes the snow's this deep, and sometimes it's this deep. And so I have to watch where I'm going. And so I'm watching where I'm going and I'm stepping over, which is very important. I, it's funny, I get to the tree, I cut the branches off, I come back and say, I'm just going to follow my footsteps back. And I look and my footsteps are going like this. <laughs> because I was going around things, I was, and if your goal is to have a straight line, that's probably not the best thing. But here's what's important. I learned this the hard way too. When you're walking in the snow, and you're looking down to make sure you're not you know, stepping in too deep of snow or, or stepping on a, in a rod or doing something, you do have to occasionally look up because those trees that I said don't move, they don't move. <laughs> and I may or may not have occasionally walked right into it not realizing I was there yet. Speaking of walking, one of the best illustrations for that for me is, is Peter. I looked at you when I said that. I didn't mean to do that. Not, not, not Peter Neinstedt. Um, Peter in, in the New Testament, Peter. Um, there, Jesus tells them, says, get in a boat and you guys go on over across and, and I'll meet you. They just got done with some ministry stuff and he's going to send them out. And they go out and as often happens when they're in the boat, when Jesus is in there, a storm comes up. And there's often these big, strong west winds and everything, and north winds for, uh, on the lake. And they're trying to cross, and they're out there, and they're paddling, they're rowing, they're trying to get, and it's just not working for them. And in, uh, Jesus is taking care of business with his father. He's praying. And he leaves, and this is now like, it's the, I think it's, they called it the fourth watch, but it's like right before dawn. It's like 3 to 6 a.m. or something like that. Real early, and the disciples are out there um, somewhere in the middle of the lake trying to get where they need to go and they can't. And Jesus said he would meet them over there, which they didn't even think of. Well, how are you going to meet us over there? We have the boat. And so Jesus walks on the water. Now, in Minnesota, that's not a miracle. <laughs> because for four or five months, you can do that. Although you probably, never mind. Jesus comes walk big waves and everything. Jesus is walking on the water. They see him because it's starting to get light, but it's not really light yet. They see him and they're scared. They think it's a ghost. It's some phantasm thing. It's, oh, and they get all scared. And Jesus says, um, it's funny because what he says is, most translations say, it is I. Don't be afraid. What he says in the Greek is ego eimi, which is actually a declaration of the fact he is God. Ego eimi is I am same thing in the Old Testament when Moses says to God, who can I tell him is sending me to free the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt? And God says, tell them, I am. That's the same thing Jesus says here. He says, don't be afraid, I am. And he was just going to, it says in the translation, he was going to walk by them. And it didn't mean he was going to like pass them up and leave them there. It meant he was going to walk by them like in the Old Testament when God would pass by to, to show that I'm with you. I, I'm I'm." I will take care of it. It's okay. I love this, and I don't know that I would have had the, the guts to do this, but Peter wants to make sure, and he's just being who he is, and he says, if it's really you, tell me to come out there too. And so Jesus says, come. So Peter climbs out of the boat, gets on the water. 
Peter starts walking on... There's only two people in recorded history ever walk on water. Peter starts walking on the water out to Jesus. He sees Jesus like, this is sweet, until it says he sees the wind. You ever seen the wind? No, you haven't. You've seen the results of the wind. And that's what he saw. He saw the waves. He felt the spray in his face. He realized the waves were big. He realized, oh, we've been in the middle of this lake for a while now trying to get out of here. And here I am standing out in the middle of it. And as he's looking around and he's looking at the waves and the wind, he starts to sink. Until Jesus reaches, reaches down and grabs him, takes him, they both go and get in the boat. Because here's what Peter did. He took his eyes off what he should have had his eyes on. He got distracted. And it's like, well, that's good to be, I mean, it's kind of scary out there. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Whatever you're doing, don't get distracted. Keep your eyes on Jesus. See, we need to focus on what's important. We need to keep our eyes fixed on what's important. Um, And you say, well, what's important? We talked a little bit about this last week. Experiences over things. Things are not the most important. We, we value relationships over tasks or production because relationships are more important. Do we need to get jobs done? Yes, we do. Do we need to get jobs done at the expense of people? No. Because relationships are more important. Proverbs says it like this. Proverbs 4.26. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take a detour that leads to darkness. See, we often think detours are shortcuts. They don't lead where we want to go. They lead to darkness. So don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment. So the first thing we do, we do is decrease the distractions. We focus on the important. And here's the third thing, very important. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. And a lot of people think they're doing that. I love it. And Isaiah, God says it like this, verse 30, or verse 21 of chapter 30. Whether you turn to the right or the left, regardless of where you're going or what you're doing, whether you're making a bad choice, or he says, whether you turn to the right or left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. They would hear the voice of God. They needed to listen to the voice of God, regardless of what path they were taking, to be able to hear that voice behind them say, this is the way, walk in it. So that we don't make the mistakes. You know what? For too many people, I think the voice that many people hear is like the TV is the most important voice for them. A lot of people have something that they're listening to other than God. Too much. And and we need to decide... I need to decide, we all do, I'm not going to let the noise of this world distract me from the voice of God. We have to make that decision to do that. And, and because God wants to speak. He wants to speak to you. To be able to look at you, we talked about the whole shepherd thing. He wants to say, you know, my little lamb, don't go there. Don't do that. It won't end well. You know, go this way. Come over here. He wants to be able to tell us that so that he can help us, like in Psalm 23, lie down in green pastures. You know, be beside the quiet waters so that he can restore our soul. He wants to lead us, and he does that by by us following his voice. 
He can prompt us to do things. He can correct us when we're about to do something we shouldn't do. You know, nudge us in the right direction. Make that impression on our mind. Guide us. But we have to be listening. Because the devil and every force of hell can't make you bad. But they can get you distracted. And keep you from the best. Great example of this is Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah is, is charged with rebuilding the wall that was knocked down during the battles and the siege when they were taken away. And, and Nehemiah is going to come back and he's got the people together and they're going to rebuild this wall. And it's a big deal. It's very important. It's a big task and they need to get it done. And he's up on the wall doing this. And there's some people who are trying to distract him. There's all kinds of opposition to this, but there's people who, they may even be well-meaning people. But they're trying to distract him. And in the story of Nehemiah, it's a guy named Sanballat and Tobiah. And they come up and they want to keep him from building the wall. They want to distract him. They've got a lot of really good questions. And so they come up to him and they say, can you come here? Come down off that wall for a little bit. We need to talk to you. I absolutely love his response. It's one of the greatest for me in all of Scripture. I am doing a great work and can't come down. I love that. Some of you are thinking, wait a minute, I remember you saying that to me once. <laughs> it's not because what you were asking is bad, it's because God had me doing something else. And sometimes we have to be able to say, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. I'll find somebody to help, I'll get, I'll get to it, we'll do something. Now there are times when, we, when God has things in our way that he wants us to deal with and we have to be listening to his voice to be able to stop what we're doing and do that. I understand that. But we have to be able to discern the voice of God in that. We want to listen to the voice of God so we don't get distracted by the things that are less important. I know when when our kids were little, um, I would have to do things that I considered were important. I was preparing messages or I was doing something and there tended to always be a lot of noise in our house. And the noise could very easily be a distraction and it would be like, and I remember God saying to me, that voice of God behind me saying, you know, there's going to come a day when you'll miss that noise. I could get real emotional, sentimental right now, but that hasn't happened yet. I'm thinking it's probably going to, but the kids are now grandkids and there's still a lot of noise. And I'm assuming that there will be a day that I'll miss that noise, but we have to be able to listen. And sometimes we have to be able to discern what really is important. Here's a warning for you, very real warning for you. Not every voice you hear is God's. Even if you think it's telling you to do a great thing, not every voice you hear is God's. Here's what we know beyond a shadow of a doubt. God's voice will never contradict God's word, ever. He will never tell you to do something that in here, in the Bible, it tells you not to do. He'll never do that. Whatever he tells you to do will be corroborated in the Bible, not contradicted. So we have to understand not every voice we hear is God's. I love John 10. The whole passage, John 10, I love it. It's the shepherd sheep thing. I am the good shepherd. And many times in that passage, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. They listen to my voice and they follow me. And he says that in the, in the early, the, the first few verses, he says that they hear my voice and they follow me because they know my voice. 
because they've practiced, they've heard it over and over, and they know my voice. In fact, I'm going to get my distraction out right now, and I'm going to open up my notes. Here's what I wrote this morning from John 10. These are some of my favorite verses. My sheep, Jesus says, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And Jesus is saying, you want to hear that voice. Because that voice will lead you not to destruction or distraction, but to eternal life. That's what he wants for us. I cannot overemphasize for you to beware of the wrong voices. Don't follow the wrong voices. Fake news that divides and distracts us, that's not God's voice. Experts online, on TV, on social media, everybody's an expert about everything. I I tell you this, if you have a point that you want to prove, you can find an expert. You know what expert is? X means has been. Spurt is a drip under pressure. The experts are, just saying. Sometimes, sometimes the wrong voices can even be friends who are well-meaning, giving you their amazing advice. We need to be able to learn to listen to the voice of God. Because your life is too valuable, your calling is too great, and your God is too good to waste your life on things that don't last. So this Christmas season... Let's let go of some of the distractions so we can focus on what's important, so we can hear and obey the voice of the good shepherd who loves you, Jesus. And if you don't personally know Jesus yet, you know church, and maybe for you church is not a real great thing. When you think of church, you think of bad stuff. You think of rules and regulations and rituals and all this stuff. If you don't personally know Jesus yet, the good shepherd who came that first Christmas and then sacrificed his life for us so that we could have eternal life, like it said in John 10. You need to know this. The world, the flesh, and the devil will do everything possible to distract you from knowing him. Will bring everything to your mind, will put everything in your way to keep you from knowing Him. Your enemy will try to get you to ruin your life, but He is just as satisfied if He gets you to waste your life. Don't waste another minute distracted from what's not best. Let's lose the distractions and let's focus on Him. I'd like to ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and close your eyes as we pray. We know, Father, that there are so many things that distract us. And and like the story of Mary and Martha, they're not all bad things. But sometimes we just don't choose what's best. I pray that we would be able to choose what's best. That we would be able to follow you. That we would be able to decrease those distractions so that we could focus on what's important and hear your voice and follow you. And Father, for anybody who's not made that decision yet to follow you, They've not, they know about religion, but they don't know about that relationship with you. Today, Father, I pray would be the day that changes their eternity forever, that changes their life today forever, that in simple faith they say, I believe that Jesus that came that first Christmas is the same one who died on the cross for my sins. 
to pay for mine so that if I believed and received him, turned from my sin and turned to Jesus, I can come into a relationship with God. Father, I pray that nobody would leave here without making that, that decision to choose the best, to choose Jesus. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. And one really good way to go tell it on a mountain is to invite somebody to Christmas at Journey in Our Church. You can pick up a card if you need that. If you don't need that, don't take one. You can still invite them without having a card. Um, We have signs outside that look like this to remind you of the times. Um, And maybe you know somebody that you need to bring to one and you can come to another one and serve. That would be a great thing. But that's coming up very quickly here. Here's here's what I thought of for maybe some of you. You are so busy doing things for Jesus that you're not spending enough time with Jesus. Jesus. And maybe that's the distraction you need to lose. Maybe you need to realize that unless I spend time with him, nothing else is going to make sense. If you don't know Jesus and you'd like to meet him today, you can make your way to that room right back there. There'll be somebody that will meet you there. They can pray with you. We can get you a Bible. Um, we don't, we, we're in this together. And, and we, just, we want to see you experience that forgiveness from your past and meaning and purpose in life today, and to be able to have a living hope for the future. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. I pray that um, whatever you're asking of us today, that our response to you would be yes. That if you're asking us to lose certain distractions, to do certain things, that our response to you would be yes. I pray, Father, that we would come to know you so well that when you speak, we would not only hear your voice, we'd recognize it, we'd obey it. Father, thank you, and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.